0: On this episode, we're going to talk about a concept called the box of time. It's not a science fiction reference. It's an incredibly powerful way to manage time. Not by making lists or prioritizing tasks, but by managing other people. That's the difference. But to do this, we must first talk about bonsai trees, because that's how the Cool Time Life podcast series works. The techniques focus on people and mnemonics, the way to remember these techniques that come from all around us. In this case, it's bonsai trees. Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, technology, and life, and each offers a solution that you need to know about to thrive in today's increasingly busy world. The episodes in the Cool Time Life series are designed to be evergreen and are updated as needed, and an index is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast link. Now, if you've not seen a bonsai tree before, you can Google a bonsai, B-O-N-S-A-I, to see a whole bunch of great images online. A bonsai tree is a perfectly normal tree, genetically speaking, that has been placed in a pot to restrain its growth. The pots are usually a few inches wide, and because a tree will only grow as far as the roots can extend, the hard edge of the pots stops the roots from going any further, and therefore stops the tree from growing any taller. So the art of bonsai is to maintain a perfectly healthy, genetically pure tree in a small scale. There are two different styles, generally speaking, one being Japanese and the other Chinese. The Japanese style generally favours shaping trees in a dramatic windswept style, as you would find in nature, where the Chinese style, officially called penjing, focuses more on a controlled and more symmetrical style, generally speaking. But regardless, a bonsai tree is a perfect tree. It's a perfectly natural living organism just held in check by the solidity of its surroundings. So what does this have to do with people and time management? There is a substantial parallel here. People and trees are living creatures, and human beings also need and respond to delineations. Delineations help define limits, and limits help us stay alive. Here's an example. Let me take you back to high school gym class for a moment. Imagine yourself standing out on the soccer field or the football field, possibly on a frosty November morning for gym class first period. You hear the coach telling you one of these two commands. Either, go out there and give me 12 laps around the field, or go out there and start running until I tell you to stop. So my question to you is, which one of these commands is the lesser of the two evils? Most people will say that the first one is the lesser of two evils. Twelve laps is less evil because at least it's finite. You can gauge the amount of energy required to get through this exercise, and that's a very important point. It is a known. It's a known fact. You know when you'll be able to stop. There is something here you can muster your energy around and you can get through this. Just get through these twelve laps in this cold air and then it will be done. It is the anticipation of this finish line that allows people to do amazing things. If you didn't know when the ordeal would be over, your body would instinctively revert to a state of conservation, holding back from exerting too much energy out of the simple need to stay alive. Now this all sounds pretty dramatic in a high school gym class scenario, but the point is, no matter what the scenario is we're facing, whether we're stuck on the side of the road in an icy storm or dealing with gym class, or facing yet another Zoom call, we as humans need to know when things are going to be over. If you want to motivate and influence people to work with you to show up to meetings and to video chats on time, or if you want them to leave you alone to get some more work done, whether you are in an office or working from home, if you need them to deliver that piece of a project that you're working on, any time that people need motivation, the primary lever to get them to do what you want them to do is a delineation, a fixed line in the sand, a fixed box of time. So let's apply this now to a live phone conversation. I have always felt that talking live with someone is much more time-efficient than sending messages. In fact, one of the greatest wastes of time in the working world is the game of messaging ping-pong. Whether it's email, SMS, or any sort of texting app, it comes down to a back-and-forth game. I send you a message, you send one back to me. If I'm in a meeting, my reply might be delayed, which might annoy you a little bit. Perhaps I don't quite understand the meaning of what you just texted. Text without context can be easily misconstrued. Since I don't quite understand what you said, I send one back and the conversation just keeps on spinning its wheels because, at the end of the day, text-based messaging is not an intuitive communication technique. There's no subtlety, no context. It's a very sterile medium. That's why emojis were invented, to try and at least clarify some of this vagueness. So many situations could be much better handled if only we allowed the time to speak live, one-on-one face-to-face or voice-to-voice over the phone or over video chat like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Whether the goal of the conversation is to solve a problem or get creative, to work together on something or to simply inform someone, using vocal tone and body language to convey its meaning, the synergy comes from the meeting of two minds that can get things done far more efficiently than text alone ever could. So what's the problem? Why is it so hard to get people to want to take that call? One of the main reasons is they don't know how long it's going to last. We're all busy. We don't have the time just to take calls of indefinite duration. So we let phone calls go to voicemail and we ask people, just send me an email. Now that's sad because a 5-minute or even 10-minute conversation will yield more creative or problem-solving output than any number of emails you could possibly send. There's a synergy and a rhythm to live communication that gets much more done and tends to reinforce professional relationships at the same time. So to motivate someone to want to take your call, the single best trick you can use is to let them know how long the call will be, and then stick to it. It's not the agenda that is most important, it's when it's going to be over. This is not to say that an agenda or an objective is not important, but the expectation amongst most of your time-starved colleagues is going to be that we can do this via email or text message. To make live conversation more important and more attractive in their minds, the most significant factor is when it's going to be over. So this is what I call the box of time. It's just like that pot that holds the bonsai tree, or the knowledge that the gym class running task is 12 laps and no more. People can muster the willingness to meet live if they can see the borders around the event. I might say to you, for example, let's have a call tomorrow at 2 o'clock for 10 minutes. I will call you. So there are three fixed, finite, and survivable things in that statement. One, the day that the call will happen. Two, the time the call will happen. And three, how long the call will be. And actually, four, who will initiate the call. So there are four fixed finite things in that message. Those are all incredibly comforting facts. This becomes the box of time. Ten minutes. You can handle that. And it is far more appealing than simply saying, I'll call you tomorrow, which puts people on the hook of uncertainty by being so completely vague. So if you want to motivate people to do something, give them something tangible, something closed and defined, a 10-minute call at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Or perhaps I'll offer you the choice, such as 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock tomorrow, which one of those is better for you? Let me know and we'll talk for 10 minutes, Max. Or perhaps I can give you even more choice by giving you access to my calendaring app in which I have strategically made certain time slots available for you to choose from. You can learn more about this technique, by the way, by checking out our episode entitled Dynamic Calendar and Email Management. Whatever you do, so long as you establish a fixed duration of time, a box of 10 minutes or 20 that you will stick to as promised, this becomes the box of time. It replaces the fear of the unknown with the manageability and comfort of the known. This is a major lever, a major component of successful time management. But as you can see, it's actually about managing people and their expectations. Have you ever felt compelled to respond to an email or a message at 11 o'clock at night? Do you know what that does to the person at the other end? It conditions them. It conditions them to expect the same kind of behavior from you consistently, regularly, and forever. What seems to you to be simply just getting something off your desk or perhaps providing excellent customer service can actually condemn you to a lifetime and a lifestyle of the obligation to be constantly available 24-7. You condition people through your actions to expect the same kind of behavior constantly, which, in effect, takes control over your time out of your hands. There is a better way, one that allows you to be available but on your terms and in a much more controllable manner. And this, again, is where the box of time comes to the rescue. That bonsai tree pot. As a single example, you can set up a published schedule that says, I'm available between 9 and 6 p.m. If you leave a voicemail or send me a message outside of those periods, I will get back to you at 9 o'clock or so tomorrow. Something like that. Something that sets up boundaries and manages people's expectations of when they can hear back from you, rather than forcing them to take matters into their own hands. Another technique is to use your calendar once again, leaving strategically placed empty zones where they can choose a time. Yes, that's called working by appointment. Doctors and lawyers do it. And why? Because they are taught on day one to value their time and not give it away. You can be like that too. You deserve to value your time. You can create available time slots on your internal calendar like Microsoft Outlook, or if you deal with a lot of external people, by using an online version of your calendar like Calendly.com. These tools make available boxes of time that your customers, whether they're internal or external, can not only pick and choose a time to connect with you, but are also aware of its duration. That's the box of time, once again. And they are satisfied because their needs and expectations are being met. The actual time availabilities that you set up are up to you, of course, but setting them up gives people something they can work with. It makes your calendar a tool of influence and productivity, not just an appointment diary. People can be flexible if they're given alternatives that they can live with. This is like water flowing around a rock in a stream. The water will move around the rock to find a path of lesser resistance. Your availability and non-availability are the rocks in your stream. People can move their actions and expectations around these blockages, providing there is something else to go towards. Imagine you had to go to the dentist. Someone says to you, ''Hey, can we meet tomorrow at 10 o'clock?'' And you say, ''Sorry, no, I've got a dental appointment.'' it's very unlikely that that person will say, well, no problem, I'll just come with you and I'll sit in the chair next to you while you're having your teeth cleaned and we can speak while you're doing this. No, they'll wait until you come back because that is a suitable and acceptable rock in their stream. It's a suitable social excuse. And they can move around it, they can live with it, and life goes on. What I'm suggesting is the same principle can apply to other things. If you have some work you need to get done, some focused time you really need to focus without being disturbed, or you want to go home at a certain time, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, set up these boundaries. Condition people by publicizing and communicating these boundaries, respecting them yourself, and not falling prey to the temptation of responding to emails or responding to messages outside of those boundaries. Everything you do conditions other people. Even if you reject all of this advice and just go your own way, even if you choose not to condition people, you are still conditioning them through your actions. But remember, human beings like to be led. They like to be guided. They thrive on the comfort of a known fact as opposed to an unknown one. Knowing I have a video chat appointment with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock is far more comfortable than not knowing when we'll be able to connect. 10 o'clock tomorrow might feel far away, but it's something that we can live with. It's something we can anticipate and count on. There's great value in that. Not only in the context of the meeting itself, but more importantly, in the context of our relationship. This is your chance to guide and influence other people through the box of time. The last of the concepts that I want to share with you is the notion of assumptions. People will always assume things if they do not have facts to back up what they see. Assumptions are natural. People come to them just because they need to fill a void in their perception of reality. So once again, the box of time concept, this tangible notion, comes into play in the obligation for you to deliver to people hard facts. Imagine you are in your office or virtual online environment and you are spending some time focusing on your work. Because of this, you don't say hi when someone passes your desk. The immediate assumption that people might make is that you're not responding because you're having a bad day or maybe because you're being rude. Or if you're online and you have your camera off, or you have it on but you're looking really bored, these are problems. They're small, nagging issues that have the potential of growing into something more, something that will further erode a relationship. But these types of assumptions can be easily corrected by simply introducing people to the facts. Guide them. For example, if you're looking to schedule some focused time in your day, time when you are unavailable, or if you need to leave your workplace at a certain time, or if you want to leave your Zoom camera off to preserve bandwidth or reduce eye fatigue, a very real problem by the way, then take the initiative and deliver the facts that will remove people's instantaneous and erroneous assumptions. You must bring up the facts to meet this type of fear response that is giving people the wrong impression. All of these concepts in this podcast come up to one thing really, which is that the known always beats the unknown. But the human mind is such that when it does not know something, it seeks an answer wherever it can find it. If you are looking to guide people, give them a box, give them a fixed, finite duration. Answer the question, when will it be over? When you're calling a meeting, the agenda is not the most important item of the meeting. The agenda should have already been agreed upon, that's why we have this meeting. The most important thing that will make them show up on time, ready and engaged, once again is... When is it going to be over? When will this meeting be done? That's what's going to allow them to muster the energy and stamina to get through this event. Just like the 12 laps around the field. When you have a phone call, when you have any sort of interaction, think that the first thing that comes to their ears and to their awareness is, when will this be over? That is the primary motivator of human action. So there you have it, my little podcast about the box of time and how a little delineation goes a long way towards managing people's expectations and getting them to work with your priorities. If you have a comment about this podcast or a concept you would like to hear in a future episode, you can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com, where you can also find my social media links and a list of my books. A full listing of past episodes is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast tab. I update the episodes regularly so that the concepts do not get dated as time goes by. So check them out and download whatever feels good. And if you feel you are getting value from this series, please do leave a review at your podcast platform, and if you want to, you can support us on Patreon. Contributions from our listeners allow me and my team to spend more time researching and preparing our podcast series. So if that feels fair to you, please visit patreon.com slash Steve Prentice. S-T-E-V-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E. So until next time, I am Steve Prentice. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.